0: tell you today about someone who in my eyes represents the penguins who they are and what they are as much as anyone who's ever been a member of that organization and it's a name that you might not know good morning to you Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Tom McMillan has authored books on the Civil War and on Flight 93. He's also been a big city newspaper columnist. With the Post-Gazette many moons ago he joined the Penguins media relations staff in the early 1990s crossed over to the dark side as we like to say in this business and he crossed over for good like when he crossed over he went all in and that's also rare Because the journalists who do get into PR, or for that matter, and it's rare in the other direction, you always kind of stay who you are. Tom went all in. Tom was all about the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he became, in ways that most people will never know, the spirit of this franchise. When things got dark, which was not all that long after Tom's arrival, the bankruptcy proceedings, uh, the doubt that the team would ever find a new home, the possibility that the team would relocate, whether it was to Kansas City or somewhere else, ownership, Mario getting his money, uh, the hearings at the top of the US steel tower to determine how the bankruptcy would play itself out. There was one individual who kept it all grounded and that was Tom. There was one individual who made sure that those of us who were reporting on the team at the time always had his grounded vantage point on this and the way Tom would deal with you on this he'd call or you'd call most likely he'd call and he'd say listen I know you gotta write what you gotta write and I get that because I was on your side of the fence but here's how it really is here's what's actually going on and no matter what you'd heard from anybody else, from any other source, once it came from Tom, you realized, oh, well, Tom said this. He had the Penguin's best interest at heart in every setting, but he also found a way to relay that to you in a way that was real, that was authentic, that was look. We know we're going to get some blowback for blah, 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 blah. But that ability, unlike anyone working for any team, maybe for any company as far as I know in this city, is unparalleled. And when you hear people talk about the Penguins' culture or the – the way the Penguins conduct themselves or the way they treat people. You've got to understand that the consistent presence, the guy who's been there throughout, whether his position was media relations guy back then, vice president of communications, which it was for the bulk of that time, or whatever grand title they gave him, uh, of late, all of that originated with Tom. Tom was the problem solver. Tom was the one that you went to to figure out what do we do here? How do we get through this? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels and you don't pay for DVR, or installation, there's no contracts, no catches, cancel anytime. Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this podcast a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to fubotv.com/dk. One more time, that's fubotv.com/dk. What moves me to discuss this today? Well, Yesterday was Tom's last official day on the job. He's retiring. I've known this for a while now. He will be capably replaced by Jennifer Bellano Ridgely, whose ascent through the organization very much mirrored Tom's, and she's had the good fortune uh, of learning from the best, and I have no doubt that she'll do very well. In her capacity, in fact, she already has. She has a lot of Tom in her, as she'll be the first to tell you, in a most positive way. But I'm going to make this one personal. I'm going to make this one personal. Tom's a friend, as angry as we've ever gotten at each other, and uh, believe me, most of that's headed in this direction, depending on what I wrote on a given day. That friendship remained intact. And when I lost my mind seven years ago and decided that I was going to walk away from my newspaper job and start my own little venture, that actually was a losing of the mind at the time. Nobody did that. There were only a couple of people that I called to run this past because it wasn't something that you could get out uh, to too many places, or else I was going to get in trouble. You know, I was still employed and everything. One of those people was my dad, who I lost a couple years ago. And my dad had some hesitations, he expressed them, but he also offered his support. Another was Tom. It was not a long list, trust me. And I got Tom's enthusiastic support with all kinds of very Tom-like data and extra information to support the concept that what I wanted to do was going to work. And stuff that, To be honest with you, he probably shouldn't have told me about other things that further, further lent strength to this move that I was going to make. And Tom's as much responsible for me crossing over to this dark side as anyone in my life. Tom has represented the Penguins, Mario Lemieux, Ron Burkle, David Morehouse. Before them, Ken Sawyer, Tom Rooney, Craig Patrick, everyone who's been a major player in this organization, all of them worked through Tom. He will be missed in ways the franchise can't begin to celebrate with whatever cake I hope they had over at PPG Paints Arena for him yesterday. Congratulations, Tom, on a brilliant career, and thank you for everything, my friend. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question, and that's brought to you always by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are working around the clock to take care of those in need across Western Pennsylvania. If you'd like to help them help others, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Question comes from Kurt, who asks Why don't NHL players wear full cages/slash face shields? Can you see this ever happening? I'd like to see a stat on how many man games a year are lost to facial trauma. Feels like a bigger-than-you'd-expect number. I don't have that number, Kurt. Uh, The NHL is kind of famous for describing everything as upper body and lower body, even when it's remarkably obvious. And that was the case, you'll recall, when... John Marino had his face messed up with a puck coming into it in Sunrise, Florida, a couple of years ago, and everything was like upper body. Like, come on, you know. But it wouldn't be listed somewhere. It's like someone would have to go and, and track that. However, I have no doubt that you're right. Watching the ongoing playoffs and uh, in the Stanley Cup Final, and seeing the the blood that's coming down, whether it's Corey Perry, the other night it was Brendan Gallagher. Sticks come up, pucks come up. Sometimes it's just gloves and hands. Sometimes it's crashing face first into a stanchion or the goal post. And my answer to you is no. We won't see it. If we didn't see Shields, and I'm glad you referenced Shields because Cage's Cages happen in college, and cages eliminate the issue of fogging up, which is what most players will say is the problem with wearing them. Uh, Sidney Crosby and a lot of other guys have uh, certain types of towels on the bench that that are good at cleaning up fog, even on the visors that they wear. But whenever they're forced to wear something, that's a full shield. And this was the case with Marino. He talked about this as well. It's just the fogging up is what throws you off more than anything else. Because think about it. You exhale, you know, you can't see anymore. That's, that's a problem. The cages are different because the cages, players will tell you, just distort their vision. They get used to seeing the puck, seeing the ice a certain clean way once they're in the NHL, and they are not eager or maybe even capable of going back. Now, you can make an argument that, well, if everyone has to wear them, then everyone's playing with the same restriction. But you're never going to get everyone to agree. And agreeing is what has to happen here. This is not something the NHL could unilaterally Impose it would have to be done in concert with the NHL Players Association, which will never go along with it. Look, the league took forever just to get people to wear helmets. Okay, I mean, it was not until the 90s, Greg McTavish was the last guy skating around without one, that you finally got that solved. It's partly hockey culture, but it's also partly in fairness to the players that they want to see what it is that they're doing. I could make a stronger argument for skate guards with all the shot blocking that goes on, but you can't even get players to do that. Guys who kill penalties who lie down in front of Shea Weber slap shots for a living will say, yeah, but it's going to impact my skating by point zero 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 three percent And I can't afford to do that or lose that, or I'm out of the league. And you know what? They might be right. Skate guards is something that I would mandate, though, because, look, if you slow everybody down by .0003%, one, no one's going to notice. No fans are going to notice that. Players are already faster than ever. And two, they'd stay healthier, you know, and they'd play more. So you'd enjoy seeing them play more often you know it might even have more skilled guys get back onto the penalty kill the way it used to be i wouldn't mind seeing Sidney crosby kill penalties but i don't want to see him breaking his foot either just a thought i appreciate the question i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of penguins we'll do another one of these. Songs.